And then um, and then she jumps on this show and just like right out of the bat, she's like bashing people's brains out and motherfuckers left and right. Yeah. Welcome to the Harley Freaking Quinn podcast. I'm your host, Carly. And I'm Jessica. Oh, you're going by Jessica. Okay, <laughs> fine. Jess, I don't know. It's an introduction. <laughs> and this is the first episode of the Harley Freaking Quinn podcast where we will be going through episode by episode the Harley Quinn TV series and then just going fucking nuts from there <laughs> um we're gonna be talking about comic books um her appearances in the batman animated series and the other like animated series um you know in the last 20 years or so birds of prey birds of prey movie yeah we're gonna have at least five episodes about that movie i'm sure i mean we'll we'll see so this is the first episode we work are kind of recent fans of the Harley Quinn TV series. We just finished it on HBO Max, what, like a week ago? Yeah. And now we're ready for a rewatch. And then I would describe myself as kind of new to the Harley Quinn fandom. Um, I really loved the Birds of Prey movie that came out early this year. Did it come out in 2020? Or did it no. come out? No, that was 2019. Okay. I think. Oh, God. What's time? <laughs> what is time? Okay. We'll fact check that. It was 2020. Oh, my God. This year. I cannot believe that. That was like... Another decade. Another decade ago. And I love that movie, but... And I would say that's like my most recent introduction to Harley Quinn. I was pretty aware of... Um, Harley Quinn in the Batman animated series when I was a kid. Um, I wasn't really interested in like her resurgence in a few years ago in the Suicide Squad or Margot Robbie's portrayal until I saw Birds of Prey. And now I'm just obsessed with her. And then we saw the, uh, the TV series. And now I'm just going on a deep dive. And I'm starting to read the comics. I'm like on Tumblr all the time. I'm reading <laughs> fan fiction. And I just, uh, I was turned to Jess and I was like, what if we did a podcast? Because I don't know what to do with this knowledge or this energy <laughs> that I'm building up. And, uh, and Jess is in a really interesting position because she knows Harley, like knows DC comics, like way more than I do. And, uh, and so she, can offer a lot more background into the references in the show and in the movie than I could. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely not an expert in the comics. Don't don't let her oversell me. <laughs> but I grew up watching Batman the Animated Series. And so for me, there's never really been a Gotham canon that doesn't have Harley Quinn as an important part of it. And I remember reading Mad Love and buying it from the grocery store with my mom and uh, just growing up with her being a character that I was a fan of and then rediscovering Gotham Girls when I was in early high school on that good old rural dial-up 
and that excellent flash animation and just falling in love with the character again. To have a lot more interest in her that I feel like is a recovery of the character I grew up with in Birds of Prey in the Harley Quinn TV series versus how I'd seen her portrayed through a lot of the 2000s like with the Batman Arkham games has been really a relief. Yeah. And is recultivating my interest in it. Yeah. And um, I'm also a huge Harley shipper, it turns out. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they are meant for each other. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, because she has this, like, huge canon, because she's popped up in so many different works and so many different mediums, I thought it was just, like, such such a rich subject matter for an entire podcast uh, that could, you know, sustain us for a really long time. So uh, that's kind of a, just a rundown of our podcasting idea. And uh, in a second, we're going to start our recap of Harley Quinn, season one, episode one, Till Death Do Us Part. Well, first of all, we have the good old... Um all of the DCU opening scene with the very dramatic Justice League silhouettes. Very CGI. It really does actually throw me back to the old Justice League um, unlimited cartoon. Does it? Yeah, because it was all very kind of a almost like three quarters speed, like slow-mo silhouette of the heroes. Like there was very like early 2000s, late 90s CGI. And I see that they are still riding that high here. <laughs> and But I mean, it worked. I, I love the DC animated universe. Yeah, I will say that every single episode seeing that like extended uh, dramatic uh, Justice League opening. Well, and they're like for that, I almost got it because it's like, okay, this is a cold open because it's the pilot, but it with each subsequent episode it really hammers home of there is no uh opening theme or credit sequence no um, there is no cold open it just straight to justice league and then you've got your show that's true well i would say that the first scene of every episode is a cold open but i think uh what i find kind of uh entertaining at least is that while that intro of the of the DC comics is happening, the sound is the sound from the episode, which sometimes sounds dramatic and sometimes sounds very silly. Just like absolute music. bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, like, like, you know, Aquaman is like throwing his trident. And you just... got Batman being grimdark and then you've got like Ivy just like whistling. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty cute. Okay, so that's what I do like about it is that the sound changes every time and it can be pretty whimsical, which is funny compared and, to the how it looks. And side note, I love the soundtrack for this. Yes. The score I, and the soundtrack are perfect. Yeah, I've wrote, written down um, a few times in my notes just sometimes when the music is just like awesome. Um, but other times I... We've talked about this before. We don't really notice the music because it sounds like very intertwined with what is yeah. happening in the in the scene. It's not obtrusive. It just melds and enhances really well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, after Yacht the just 
After the DC Comics grimdark intro is a giant yacht, and it's a bunch of old white dudes um, toasting each other. And a literal pyramid of money. Yeah. Like when you go to the Golden Nugget Nugget in Old Vegas and like, oh, here's a million dollars. And it's kind of hokey and cheesy in the way Vegas is. That's this yacht. Yeah. And we've talked about that, that when we first watched this scene, like not really grabbing us that much because I felt like it was just uh, very violent, very lots of swearing. It felt gratuitous. Yeah. It felt gratuitous and in a way that was like, Oh, if you liked Harley Quinn when you were a kid, you're gonna, we're gonna blow your fucking minds with how crazy, with how bonkers and violent it is, with like face melting and bones popping out everywhere. And oh my gosh, they're swearing. Remember when they couldn't uh, actually kill people on the Paul Denny show? Well, now we're gonna have an ear falling off. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but, Seeing it the second time, there is still some lines that still crack me up. And it's that first line where it's that guy who's like toasting to the pyramid of money. And he's like, gentlemen, my fellow whites. Yeah. (laughs) We're toasting to this pyramid of money that like signifies the most important thing or something like that. Fucking the poor. (laughs) Yeah. It. You know, the show can't help but be clever, even when it is being gratuitous. And there's no denying that that scene is gratuitous. But, and maybe I'm giving it too much credit because I love it. That's one of the few scenes with Joker and Harley where they're still in the terrible dynamic that needs to change. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a infantile, try-hard, over-the-top violence dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very... Uh, They're not super likable in that scene. No. But... It's very reminiscent of, like, where where you've seen them before, at least in the animations, which is, like, they're doing a heist uh, that's completely dramatic, and, like, there's a, a acid gun. Harley's, like, in her Jester outfit with her... <gasps> It is the classic gesture outfit from the animated series, mm-hmm. too, which has been so long since I've seen that. But yeah, love it. Love it. So anyway, ha- like these old rich white dudes are being terrible. And um, Harley uh, tries to rob them of their money. And then uh, Joker shows up and uh, Harley is bothered by it because she wanted to pull off this heist by herself. And it's this first part which I didn't realize this when I was first watching it, but it is like a common thread, like the entire axis, every action that she does almost in the entire series, which is like she wants to join the Legion of Doom. She wants to be known for her own heists and for her own skills. She wants autonomy or at least a partnership is looking for that. She doesn't want to be a goon. Yeah, she doesn't want to be a goon. She doesn't want to be a sidekick. She wants to be independently known um, aside from Joker as a supervillain. And of course, like Joker has like no interest in in like entertaining that idea. He's like, I'm just here to steal money and you know, get all the attention and all of the reward and then I mean, uh, fuck he, off, Harley. Yeah. He he can't help it. It even when she like is chastised him for it, he's like, Oh, but and then right in the next joke, right into the next bit of violence. And, I mean, he's happy with their dynamic. 
So when she's bringing up the relationships, like, oh, this shit now. Uh, very dismissive. And then Batman shows up. And of course, like, Joker uh, loves when Batman um, crashes his heists. And it's what he lives for. And he um, basically pushes Harley toward Batman so to buy him enough time to escape in a submarine. With a La Cucaracha horn. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Classic. Uh, speaking of, I love the voice acting in this. Mm-hmm. I I mean, Batman is always kind of Kevin Conroy to me, but I I love this Batman. Joker's always Mark Hamill to me, and I thought Alan Tudyk did fantastic as Joker. Yeah. And then Harley is perfect, which is really good considering she's the star of the show. But yeah, chef's kiss. Yeah. Kaylee Cuoco, um, that was another thing that was, she has like the energy of Harley down. That None of it know. seems forced. Mm-mm. Joker leaves and mm. Harley is take it, taken or arrested by Batman. Taken into custody to the old Arkham. Yeah. Um, well, first they're at the top of the police oh, station. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Top of the police station. And you meet. Oh my God. This commis- Jim Gordon. Yeah. The commish. Um, which is like holy shit y'all <laughs> he is a mess uh jim gordon voiced by christopher, christopher maloney yes and he is like like bags under his eyes like five o'clock shadow on top of five o'clock shadow disheveled like you can smell the whiskey on him through the animation yeah he's holding like a coffee mug but you know there's no coffee in there <laughs> And he's just, oh, like, screaming in Harley's face, like, where is the Joker? You have to tell us. You're such, like, a f- festering boil on on Gotham. And he's just, like... All these non sequiturs, all these... Oh, God. No. He's, yeah, he's just losing it. And Batman's just standing there, like, okay, we get it. Get to the point. Jim, get it together. And uh, And Harley's just, like, I'm not... Because they're in love. He yeah. proposed. Till death do them part. Yeah. And that's gonna when we- are going to go f- on a cruise. That's when we first um, saw that uh, Harley's like, you don't know him like I do. He proposed to me. And she flashes back to a memory on a rooftop where they're like dancing. There's like a violin quartet. And um, Joker pulls out a ring and says, till death do us part. And so she's not going to sell him out because obviously they're in love. He's going to break her out of Arkham, so she's not worried about it. You have no leverage, so fuck off. He said that she would have her out before breakfast. Mm -hmm. So she gets sent to Arkham, and immediately, it's like six months later, Mm -hmm. and um, she's in like the visitation room where everyone's like you know behind glass like talking to their family members and harley's there in her jester mask and hat um and like orange jumpsuit and expecting joker to go through security to talk to her i guess yeah (laughs) when you say it like that it sounds utterly delusional yeah and uh she just can't believe that he's not there or that he's he's probably on his way. He's just fighting Batman. He'll be here in like fifteen. Right. When Waylon or Killer Croc is roasting you. Like <laughs> But the scene is very special. You know why? Tell me why. <laughs> Cause it's the first time we see Ivy. Yeah, and also perfect. Yeah. Uh voiced by Lake Bell. Uh and she is also in Arkham. Who knows how long she's been in there. 
but is definitely trying to convince Harley, like, it's been six months, he isn't coming for you, you need to get over him and find your own identity, and Harley's just like, I have no... No, no, interest. he's yeah. he's coming to break me out. Yeah. Definitely, 100%, coming to break me out. Mm-hmm. And, um... We see Calendar Man, also voiced by Alan Tudyk, oh, who is really doing a- heavy lifting in this show. Yeah, oh my gosh, he voices so many characters. And then, um... It slams to like three months after that. Uh, Harley is like, they're just uh, having a girls' chat yeah. uh, in the hallway as Harley in a straight jacket murders people. <laughs> yeah, like just takes on like six guards by herself while Ivy is just like nonchalantly walking with her. Like, you need to get over him. You're worth so much more than that. Drops the information that she went to Sarah Lawrence. Gay. Yeah, that was another thing. Yeah, uh, she's like, you can find so much better, so someone so much better than Joker. And Harley's like, who? Some guy who thinks playing dodgeball is quirky and who like identifies self identifies as a, as a beer, beer nerd. And I was like, it was freshman year at Sarah Lawrence. It was Slim Pickings, and that's just like one of the references throughout the season of just like. Ivy Her not being a nineties gay. Yeah, Ivy like not acknowledging that she's queer and yet dropping references like she went to Sarah Lawrence and she has an indigo girls poster. <laughs> and yet Harley is still like in denial, um after nine months that the Joker is coming to get her. Oh yeah, this is where we meet the Riddler when they're in the cafeteria. Yes. So that's the next scene is like uh they're in the um cafeteria we meet the Riddler. And do you know who voices the Riddler? I will have to look that one up. Yeah. Because um, also really great. Yeah. I love he was... all the voice acting in this. Uh, if I'm Googling right, it looks like James Rash oh, right from Community. So they're in the cafeteria. Harley is still like, Joker is on his way. You don't know him like I do. And literally everyone in the cafeteria turns <laughs> turns around and is like, he's not coming. Including, like, a screech from Man Bat, which kills me. All right. So Harley's in her cell. Like... The sirens go off. The sirens go off. People are screaming outside. Harley gets off out of bed, and she's like, Mr. J, Mr. J? But it's not Mr. J, Jess. The door, like, slams open, and there are just a bunch of vines crawling out. And then uh, Ivy, like triumphant amidst them yeah exactly triumphantly like (laughs) and she has like a flower in her hair and just casually destroying it Mm -hmm. it's wonderful like all vines in the background are just like taking out guards left and right and the riddler oh my god i love this this part killed me yeah so the guard one of the guards is like how did you get a plant and the riddler uh ate an orange and shit out of seed thanks ivy (laughs) And uh, uh, Harley, like, doesn't want to go with her because she knows Miss uh, knows the uh, Joker is on his way. And uh, just knocks Ivy's, her the fuck out. Yeah, takes her. It's Ivy time t- to go. Exactly. Uh, takes her to her apartment. And this is the first time we see um, Ivy's apartment. And you meet Frank. Uh, I wish that the way Ivy's just, like, perking up all of her house plants, like, I need that in my life. So, my poor babies. How did a... Uh, where does that neighbor kid? I paid to take care of them. And, and yeah, Frank, the giant sentient Venus flytrappy dude, ate him and the family that came looking for him. 
Yeah, just spits him out. Because that's who Frank is. I would say that's the, like, most, at this point, episode one, of course, the most, like, diabolical thing that anyone has done in the show at this point. Like, I mean, it had a cold open where someone's, like, scalped head and face was being worn as a mask. But, I mean, those were, like, billionaires. Okay. <laughs> this All is, right. like, the this first is a time. family. Yeah, this is the first time, like, uh, you know, a carnivorous plant killed a little boy and his two parents. I mean, it was probably a teenager. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right. Um. So, uh, at this point, I'm getting a little uh worn out with uh Harley just like being constantly in denial about um the Joker. Like, oh, something must have happened to him, and why he couldn't have rescued me. And Ivy's just like, it was all over the news. He knows where you are. He didn't come see you. And she shows Harley a picture of the two of them when Harley was Dr. Harleen Quinzel. The picture starts talking to her. <laughs> because Harley is insane. And uh, and tells her, like, um, so one of my patients uh, is in love with a psychopath who treats her like garbage and she won't... S- yeah, won't classic narcissist. Oh, gotta gotta find my own way and my own self-worth. Yeah, exactly. Like, finally a breakthrough. And you think... You know, I'm not used to Ivy being really a sane character in Batman. Like, cool and composed, but not sane. But she is really the voice of sanity in this show. Yeah, she the is, entire show. She's not just like a straight man to Harley's chaos, but like, actually sane. Maybe some immorality. Right. I mean, but she says, like, in that scene, like, I used to not be able to talk to people at all, and it used to make me vomit. But now I can talk yeah. to some people without vomiting. <laughs> so uh, the next scene is at Joker's lair, and Joker is on, is watching TV, and we get our first broken tv tally so this is going to be a running theme in our podcast (laughs) is we count the number of times someone destroys a television so dj siren we are up to one broken television this episode harley shows up um with ivy to confront joker and finally break up with him man joker's goons are so ugly i don't know if he's like bleached them or makes them all wear face paint but they all have this kind of like filmy haze over them where you feel like all of them would like feel like a cold fish. Yeah, they it's do. Real gross. They really, They're they like look very scarred. Clammy. They're missing eyes. Like he is not treated as subordinates well, which fits his character in this especially. Yeah. Joker like can't stand the thought that she is breaking up with him. And so he does like this reverse psychology thing like, oh, thank God. This is exactly what I was hoping you would do and she's like jim gordon's on his tail which they said that um it's because he paralyzed jim's partner which i mean would kind of explain like why jim is such like deep breakdown in this Mm -hmm. but they never really like go back to it so yeah at first i was like is this kind of a reference to um the Barbara, killing joke. Yeah, killing joke. But, but we it's find obviously, out. but it's not. And I mean, also, they weren't partners. So then I was wondering if it was supposed to be Sarah Essen, who, like in the comics, was 
Jim's partner mm-hmm. that he had an affair with while his wife was pregnant. Ooh. They cut it off. She moved to a different precinct to try and, like, you know, be better. And then the Joker killed her. Oh. He threw a baby at her. She caught the baby, dropped her gun, and got shot in the head. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No, it was grim. Jim Gordon had a real bad time in that run. Yeah. I wasn't really sure if it was a reference that we were supposed to, like, keep on that. Yeah, catch or hold on to or find out. Or it was just, like... You know, Joker just being a slime ball, just being like, he's just on the edge because I paralyzed his partner. Yeah. We don't really see Jim as anything other than super isolated through the series. Like, reaches out to the Batman, rejected. Reaches out to his wife, rejected. Mm-hmm. Like, this Jim Gordon isn't a super sympathetic Jim, but I've always liked him. And yeah, it makes me wonder if this is the uh sarah essen arc of jim gordon of just like oh hey you have the impending divorce coming and all of your life is falling apart yeah which would make sense it's definitely not a jim gordon that i've ever seen in my limited um comics knowledge but anyway joker is trying to use this as an excuse of like so many things have happened and so i you know, want wanted to you to break up with me so that you could be to protect. safe. Yeah, and she like falls for it. Ivy is like, "What the fuck is oh happening my God. here?" And they start making out, which is just, so it's so gross. gross. They're just like licking each other's tongues. They're both covered in lipstick. That's funny. <laughs> that was the funny part. So after that, there's a scene on, back on the police station. Gordon is telling Batman that the Riddler has a riddle so funny that it'll make people's brains explode. And he's going to say the riddle um, on live TV. After that, we go back to the to Joker's lair and um, Joker is upset that the Riddler is doing this kind of stunt on TV because stunts are his thing. And And jokes and jokes. Yeah. And Harley is. um like trying to have a date night. She comes in and she's like wearing her mask and her hat, but she's wearing like this apron. And she's like, I made bread pudding for my pudding. And which I didn't really blink at the first time I watched it. The second one, I was like, man, we do not see her cook or anything after this. You're right. (laughs) She's trying so hard to be domestic. And that is the opposite of how she is when she's not uh, trying to impress a man. Uh, I will say that this is the scene, I hate to give it to him, but it's my favorite swear, uh, like, cursing line in the episode, which, like, Joker is, like, freaking out about the Riddler, and he says, uh, his whole shtick is just being the most indirect asshole. <laughs> that That's such a great summation of the Riddler. Yeah, so that was my, that's another thing we're going to be doing in our podcast is our first, is our favorite, like, profanity yeah you were saying that they um yeah improved most of the profanity oh most of the swearing yeah i saw an interview on youtube with kaylee cuoco and lake bell where uh they said and i I mean i don't know if this is true but i hope it is and it sounds right in the dialogue that a lot of the swearing is uh improved and while they can be very profane there is a limit to how many swear words they can do in an episode and they often try to one-up each other or try to like get as many as they can when they're doing their lines and uh which makes sense there are some lines that ivy has that i'm like 
There's no way that's scripted. That sounds like so off the cuff. There's an episode where she's like, oh, for the shit of shit. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, Harley tracks down the Riddler in his like new in his lair, which is like not a. it can't be a new layer. He escaped to this layer, which just exists. I love all of the over the top, like 1970s style, uh, like Silver Ages um, layers that everyone has. I love the Joker's layer on the pier with his giant face. I love that the Riddler is in a fucking Sphinx right outside the park. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that's the Riddler's place. Yeah. How did I not find these layers? And um, who's going to raid it? Yeah. And so uh, Riddler is about to go on the air when Harley shows up and to stop him. And then the Batman shows up to stop him. And uh, it turns out like the Riddler wanted to capture them both. So he like catches them in like these little globes and crane machine, crane machine and um, uh, suspends them over two pools of acid and calls the Joker to show up. Like, literally calls him on a cell phone. Yeah. And uh, tells Joker that this was the entire... I don't have a riddle. I want to play a game. Um, Choose one to live and one to die. And the Joker, like, at first is like, well, sure, you know, of course I'm going to save you. I want to save you, Harley, but I can't let the Riddler have the credit of killing the Batman. So, uh... He drops Harley into the acid and lets Batman go. That's Harley's last view as she's falling in the acid is him just running, the Joker just running away and not looking back after condemning her to death, she thinks. Mm-hmm. And the Batman chasing after him. And then uh, while she's in the acid, she flashes back to that uh, proposal memory on the rooftop. But uh, Dr. Quinzel is there. And she's like, this isn't how this happened. You weren't dancing. There wasn't a quartet. It was, you know, like they he were was goons. using you as a human shield. The violins were goons with Tommy guns. Yeah. And it wasn't a ring. It was a grenade. And he wasn't saying till death do us part to you. It was to Batman. Because the Joker loves Batman more than you. And Which that's- is Harley's conclusion. And I would say that the Joker is too obsessed with Batman for love to enter into his equations. But just that that's what she views love as, is mm-hmm. Joker's obsession with Batman. Says a lot about her views of love at the beginning of the series. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. Um, and then while she's in the, you know, she comes to and uh, she's being pulled out of the acid and it's Ivy. And... Um, Gently cradling her. Gently cradling her. They hug. And uh, Harley's like, thank you for pulling me out of the acid. And Ivy's like, actually, it was margarita mix. Still stings. <laughs> kind of stingy. And it turns out that Ivy has set this whole thing up because... She loves her so much that she spent her entire Saturday setting up something this fucking stupid, which is my favorite. I was wondering if that was going to be your favorite one. I wrote that down, too, to see if... It's just perfect delivery. Just the affection and the exasperation is really just the key tone for Ivy's character throughout this series. Mm -hmm. And... uh, because she knew that the Joker was going to choose Batman over Harley. 
and needed Harley to see it so that she could finally move on. And see that there is not a future with him. Mm -hmm. So they go back to Ivy's place and, um, and, uh, I think they're just chatting. She does, Harley doesn't know what to do next. There's a goon who's exploded in a goonogram. Wait, before that, it's my favorite, it's my, um, Harley moment of the episode. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's another thing that I just sprung on you, but there's also going to be a Harley moment of every episode. And it's this one. Okay. It wasn't the Sarah Lawrence one, though that was a second. Uh, choice for me but it was like you know Harley's struggling she doesn't know what to do and Ivy's like I love you in a very odd hard to articulate way (laughs) (laughs) and you know it's just trying to reassure her that was cute yeah Um, but Harley is kind of set on being her own super villain and to Legion of Doom in it yeah Uh, and that's when the explodogram yeah uh, or Joker Graham or something. And this guy comes over and like reads a, uh, telegram and, um, blows up because the Joker put a bomb in him. Uh, and this is also the first time you see the first time the running gag about the Harley Quinn highway is mentioned where Harley's like, the next scene is back at, uh, Joker's lair and Harley shows up and it's in her new outfit. Yeah, more like the Birds of Prey one. More like the Birds of Prey. It's also, I think it's uh, uh, adapted from the comic books, the Harley Quinn comic books from 2016. Yeah. Um, the shorts and the sneakers and the... Makeup, the hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, she comes over there to conf- confront Joker for the last time. And I like when she just comes over there and she's like, you treated me bad. You never loved me. <laughs> yeah. List of grievances. Yeah, exactly. And it's Joker- like, oh, no, come on. <laughs> and well, then, I guess but- we're going to fight to the death. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess I got to kill you because no one breaks up with me. I break up with them. So he like sets his goons to kill her. And uh, it's a really cool fight scene. The music is awesome. It mm-hmm. starts off like. Uh, pretty fun, but kind of dramatic. The way they all run in really reminded me of um, Kill Bill. And at first, she's like not doing very well. They get a lot of like good punches in. Um, but then she gets her uh, patented baseball bat. Like there's like a glint, like a little shiny, like, oh, part when she gets her baseball bat. And then she just starts kicking ass. And it's an important part because then the music changes to like straight up like pop rock like very uh, fun music as she's just like delighting and reveling in it. Mm -hmm. And she's like setting all of these Joker bombs off to completely destroy the lair. And um, it, it feels like she's coming more into her own style. mm -hmm. It's a weapon that suits her more. She's having more fun with it. Yeah. She doesn't use her like, you know, jester mallet or whatever she used with Joker. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's our TV tally too. You don't see the TV get uh, destroyed, but the entire layer is destroyed, and um, the like wall kind of collapses on her. But Looney Tune style lo- with the hole in it. Yeah, that Love just that. misses her completely. And uh, and then Ivy shows up on her phone, and she's like, "Oh, well, I came here to help, but you seem to have it covered." Um, Thai like, food. 
yeah, I'm getting Thai food. Text me what you want. And that's like a moment that I see a lot on Tumblr as like, you know, one of the first cute moments where she's like, oh, I'll take a potato curry. No, I told you to text me. If you just (laughs) tell me, I'll forget. And then you won't like what I get you. And then you'll steal mine. It's very cute, like domestic moment. Maybe that should be my Harlivey moment of the episode. Will that be yours? Sure, that could be mine. Okay. Since we're doing that now. Uh, but she, Harley spares Joker. Joker's like hiding under a pool table or trapped under, um, and... Either way, it would have been so much easier to just brain him, but, you know, plot. Yeah, but she says she's not gonna kill him because she wants him to see her become his, like, greatest competition, um, for the Legion of Doom. And I, that is the episode. Yeah. Um... It made me crave green potato curry. I know. Thai food sounds so good. Always sounds good. Like I said earlier, uh, I think I liked the uh, I liked the opening scene a lot more the second time. And actually, we've watched it three times already. So, uh, And I like it more and more. Um, we talked about this earlier. The show starts off. Pilots are kind of difficult because you want to set the tone. You want to introduce all the characters and the plot. Um, it can be like a little over the top. Um, and I think you were saying like when we first watched it, like it was trying to prove to like 12 year olds, like, oh, isn't this so scandalous? Look how edgy. Yeah. But it really was only that first scene that had that. I mean, there's gore throughout, which is quite a bit more, but it didn't. It was only that first scene where she's still trying to impress the Joker that felt like it had that try-hard quality, Mm -hmm. which maybe that's on purpose. Yeah. Uh, But so I really, I liked the first episode more watching it the second and third time just because, like, it doesn't have, it didn't have to win me over. Um, Like, I could just sit back and enjoy it. And it sets up you know, the plot for the rest of the series. I didn't know this, but uh, season one and two were produced all at the same time. Like it is a uh, pretty- It was supposed to be like a 26 episode run. Yeah, not, and they split it up into two 13 episode seasons. So it's very tight and very like an overarching story. And I didn't really- guess that uh watching the first episode um yeah but it is very clear that like harley has a mission in mind and she did from the very first scene like she has ambitions greater than the joker even when she was like very much in love with the joker and would follow him anywhere like she was always kind of pushing to like do more and be more than his goon so, yeah, that is episode one. A successful pilot. I was hooked. Yes. So uh, next episode, we are going to dive in to episode two. Do you remember what that one was called? A high bar. A high bar. If you like this episode, subscribe, rate, and review to Harley Freaking Quinn podcast. I'm your host, Carly. I'm Jess. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.